0: see shattered, you see whole. I see broken, but you see beautiful. And you're helping me too dirty that you can't make worse dead now lives again my heart's beating beating inside my chest oh I'm coming alive with joy and destiny oh, oh. cause you're me piece by piece. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed Washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white. My dirty rags are purified, I am clean. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white. are purified.
1: Beautiful song by our wonderful sister Taylor. She is always such a blessing, and we're thankful for her and her ministry and song. We oftentimes, I think, take it for granted the musical talent we have in this church, especially when you think of Randy and you think of Taylor and you think of all the choirs, the young, the youth choir, and the kids' choir and the adult choir. This is not something we should take lightly. We're a small church, but God has raised up much in musical talent to praise His name. And we're thankful for each and every one of them. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we're so thankful for Taylor. We're thankful for all the music ministry. We thank you for this song. We thank you that we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been made clean and holy in your sight. And yet, Lord, we walk in this sinful world. And when our Savior washed the feet of His disciples, He reminded them they were all clean except their feet need to be washed. And so, too, our feet go out into this world, Lord, and we get defiled. We, we have to come to You, and You cleanse us and, and wash us and help us, Lord, in our walk, to walk close with You, separated from this world and set apart for You. We just commit this time now and pray that the Holy Spirit will guide us and hide me behind the cross, and we pray that You will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There's a story told that is a rather sad story, a sobering story of a man who started off so well, but got so off track. Lou Nichols, missionary and author, tells the story of a young man named Jim. Jim, along with his family, attended a Jack Wirtzen evangelistic rally near where he lived, and Jim and his entire family came forward and accepted Christ as their Savior. Jim had five teenagers and had a great desire to grow spiritually. Since he was a new believer, he asked if he could come and bring his teens to the Bible club that this gentleman, Lou, was was leading each week. He came and began to grow spiritually and after a period of time became the club leader. He had a great burden for teens and did a terrific job. After a couple of years, he told me that he was going to have to give up the club. Soon I, had, soon I learned that he had left his family to live with another woman. He was a diabetic and had to have one leg amputated, and soon the other one. Each time I visited him in the hospital, I talked to him about his sin and urged him to separate from this sinful way of living with this woman. To continue living like this is dangerous, and soon I read his name in the death notice in the local newspaper. It's a sad story and it reminded me of a friend of Sylvia's who she knew years ago that had a similar story. You know, when you don't separate yourself from this world, this world can have an influence and an impact on you. And you can stray so far from the Lord. But when you really belong to Him, He'll still bring you back by His mercy and by His grace. But it's going to be a very painful process when you go outside God's will and don't separate yourself from this world. Because it's a two-fold process. We have to be separated from the world and we have to be set apart for God. You can't be set apart for God unless you're separated. And when you're separated, you're going to be set apart for God. The title of our message today, and I told Adel he stole my message last week, but he really didn't because there's a lot in this and he's covered only one aspect of this king's life. We're going to study about King Jehoshaphat today. And we're going to look at this, the title of our message is King Jehoshaphat, the Unseparated King. You know, his story is like the story of many people in the Bible. He started off well, he did well, but he was not separated. And it came back to haunt him. It came back to affect his life, and he did not raised to the level that he should have had as leader of Judah. You know someone once said you can take the boy out of the country but you can't take the country out of the boy. Now turn that around into the Christian life and you can say you can take the world out of the man but you can't take the man out of the world. You know we are called upon as Christians to live in this world but not to live of this world. It's a challenge. And the question I have this morning is this, how do we keep our hearts out of the world and the world out of our hearts? That's a question that we should ask ourselves. The only way to do it is to come to church, to have that word, that coming into our hearts every time, having that fellowship, We need to be in the Word every day, we need to be in prayer every day, to have devotions individually with our wives and husbands, with our children. We need to be sanctified so that when we go out into this world, we won't be devastated by it, we won't be taken by the world. The Bible is full of examples of those who were not separated. And you look at their story and you see how sad it is, and you know why God included their names in the Bible? for you and me to learn from. The scripture tells us that all these things that happened were given to us as examples upon whom the end of the ages have come. And a couple of examples of this are, I think, of Lot. Lot started off so well, he was with, his, with Abraham, and they, they were off together, and then was, there was conflict between their herdsmen, they didn't, weren't able to stay together, and so they separated, and Abraham said, Lot, if you go this way, I'll go the other way, and if you go the other way, I'll go this way. And so they separated there, and Lot says he looked up and he saw the well-watered plain of the Jordan, Looked so good, so appealing, so well, so green and lush. That's the place for me. Abraham's off in the desert and living in tents. I want to go and live in the big city. I want to see some excitement in the world. I want to try some things I've never seen before or done before. And so guess where he chose to live? He chose to live in a city named Sodom. And we all know the story about how he got involved in Sodom, sat as as a leader at the gates of Sodom, And then God had to send his angels in to bring him out by the hand and literally take him out of that city before God destroyed it with fire and brimstone. Sad story, but a true story from the word of God. Another sad story is Samson. Samson had so much potential to deliver Israel as a judge and to deliver them from the Philistines and conquer them completely. But he lost sight of his mission. And he started, he was not separated, and he started looking at the the women and he started going to where the land of the Philistines was. And how can you defeat the Philistines when you're going there to, to the land of the Philistines and you're going to their women and all of these things? And we see eventually he lost his eyes, literally his eyes, not just his eyesight, but they took his eyes. And it says he killed more in his death than in his life. But what a sad ending to a life that had such a great, beginning and such a great promise. Solomon was another one. He was the son of David. He was called upon to build the temple. He was a godly man. He, David said, here's the commission. Here's what you do. I've got all these things prepared. Build the temple and so forth. But you know what he did? He married Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter. You know, Pharaoh in the Bible is the type of Satan. And so when you marry Pharaoh's daughter, you're marrying actually innocent. We're into the devil's family. And that's exactly what Christians do if a Christian marries into an un- with an unsaved person, that's an unequal yoke. That is detrimental. It's like marrying into the devil's family and it never turns out good. Never. It's not God's will, and it can be a detriment. It was a detriment to him. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and guess what? They stole away his heart from worshiping the true God to worshiping the false idols that they worshiped. What a sad story that was. And then the the fourth one is from the New Testament, and his name was Demas. And he had such promise as a worker and servant with Paul. But it says in 2 Timothy 2, 4, 10, and 11, and Ed's going to put it up on the screen, where Paul writes of Demas, he says, "...for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, crescents for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia." And then he says, "...only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry." Mark himself had some issues, and he had to be restored, and he was restored. But sadly, we don't see any restoration for Demas. He didn't come back as far as we know. But we know that when you don't separate yourself from this world, the world can have a, get a grip on you. And that's why it tells us in the scripture, and I love that version that says, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. That's what the world wants to do. It wants us as Christians to be like them and to squeeze us into that mold. We have to say, no. I am not going to be squeezed into the mold of this world. I want to be like Jesus Christ. I want to be like him. I want to let my life make a difference in this world, and the only way we can do it is by being separated from it. So today we're going to look at three points. They start with A, that are so critical in the study of Jehoshaphat and what he did. Number one, alliances. Number two, allegiances. And number three, actions. And these are the three things that we're going to look at from his life. You know, he started off so well, and Adel told that story last week. He read that story to us and how when the armies came down from to to attack him and he called upon the Lord and the Lord mercifully saved them and these armies started attacking each other and there was a great victory for the Lord and Jehoshaphat was doing so well and he was, he had a good resume, he had a good record but you can just ask yourself isn't it the heart that that we need to have right with the Lord and it is so we're going to look at what happened to Jehoshaphat in this regard in 2 Chronicles chapter 17 verses 3 and 4 it says this now the lord was with jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father david he did not seek the baals but sought the god of his father and walked in the commandments and not according to the acts of israel i love chapter 17 in regard to jehoshaphat because it's, it's where he was doing well and if you read, go home and read it, you'll see all four of these chapters speak about Jehoshaphat. Chapters 17, 18, 19, and 20. Four chapters, actually. Four chapters. Tells his whole story. And we see a man that had so many blessings, and yet he was not separated. Herbert Locklear, in his book, All the Men of the Bible, calls him the man with a good record. ...because he carried out religious reforms of his father, and his history and the history gives Jehoshaphat a good name. So if you were looking at his life and you were reading this resume that he had in his bio, as you want to call it... ...you would say, that sounds real good. Boy, I wish that I could do some of those things that he did. And as I looked over the list, I found that there's some ten things that he did well in the 17th chapter... First of all, he strengthened himself against Israel. Now, Israel and Judah were two separate nations at this point, and Israel was evil. They were wicked. They did not serve the Lord. They did not honor the Lord. The nation of Judah was the last bastion of worshiping God. They had the temple. They had the worship. They had the sacrifices, the offerings, the priests, the Levites. They were all down in Judah. So when there was this separation, that was good. And so at the beginning, it says he strengthened himself against Israel. He placed troops in the fortified cities and garrisons. He walked in the former ways of his father David and did not seek the Baals. He sought the God of his father. His heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. He removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. He became powerful. He built fortresses and storage cities, and he had riches and honor and abundance. That was a good record. That was a good resume. If you wanted to have a resume, and you say, I want to hire somebody, I'd want to hire him. He had a great resume, right? If you want to choose a king, boy, that sounds great. If his resume and his record stopped in chapter 17, it would be. But unfortunately, going into chapter 18 we see a different story. We see the seeds of his downfall coming in chapter 18. Notice in chapter 18 and verse 1 what it says. It says, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, and get this, and by marriage he allied himself with Ahab. Was Ahab a good king? A godly king? Was he having... No, he was perhaps the most wicked, evil king that there ever was and we all know who his wife was, Jezebel so the two of them made a terrible duo they they lived ungodly, unholy lives and here, Jehoshaphat should have known better, right? He married into that family, well by marriage actually it was his son who married Ahab's daughter oh boy, talk about that So Ahab probably always wished he'd come down and he probably invited him quite a few times and he hadn't taken up the invitation. But now he's taken up the invitation and he's coming down to visit Ahab. And so Ahab invited him to a party, invited him to a homecoming, to a family reunion, and they all gathered together. Boy, not good, not good. If you're going to marry into a family, you want to marry into a good family. You want to have godly people around you. You want to be separated from the world. And so he's going right down into that world that he shouldn't be. He's going to the wrong place at the wrong time, and he's going to do the wrong thing. And that's what can happen to us as Christians if we let ourselves slip. We're not staying close to the Lord. We're not staying close to him in prayer and in his word. We're not coming to the meetings. The devil can easily distract us get us off track, and make the the world look so alluring to us, just like he made the world alluring to, to, to Lot. The same thing can happen to us as well. And so we see a sad choice, a sad decision that he made to go down, and it had terrible results. The Bible is very, very clear on separation. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 these words Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? He went down as the good king of Judah and mingled himself with Ahab and all the wicked influences down in Israel, and how sad it was. It's interesting to me that in verse 2 it says, after some years he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. So for a few years, he concentrated on what he was supposed to be doing, he led the nation, he did well, but then after some years, he went down. Tempted. He was tempted. And when he was tempted, he went down. And so Ahab says to him, we've got the party ready, we've got sheep and oxen in abundance, we're going to have a great time. Basically, come down, let's have a party, let's have a family reunion. But it doesn't work well that way. Ahab wined him and he dined him. And that's what the world will do to you too. It will give you all the things, the pleasures and things of this world, but it's going to take away your spiritual strength so that instead of being as strong as Samson was at the beginning, remember how strong he was? After he was taken, he lost, and they cut his hair, he lost all his strength because he lost the Lord's presence and he was devastated. And that's what can happen to us as well. Because when you start to be unseparated, the next step is to compromise. And then once you compromise, then that leads down the slippery slope of bad decisions, bad actions, and devastating results. May the Lord help us to be separated from this world and set apart for him, because without that, it can be bad. So we see the first thing is his alliance. He had an alliance with Ahab. And notice how that alliance takes the form of it here. And it says, he says in verse uh, 3, Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? And he answered, I am as you are, and my people as your people, and we will be with you in the war. Stop, Jehoshaphat, what are you saying? You're saying that you're like Ahab? Do you know what Ahab is all about? Do you know the wickedness that he did? Do you know that the murderous plot that Jezebel had one time where Ahab, was, he wanted that vegetable garden, and so he, he tried to get it from the man who owned it, And he wouldn't give it up. And so they arranged to have some scoundrels come and make some false accusations against him that he blasphemed against the king. And they took him out and killed him. And then Ahab went and took that vegetable garden to be his own. And the prophet says, Did we not see you when you did that, Ahab? And he condemned him for it. And Ahab was wicked through and through. I don't know who was worse, Ahab or Jezebel. I guess Jezebel may be a little bit worse, but they were bad, and when they were in combination, terrible. And here, a godly king, right? A good king of Judah is saying, I am as you are, and my people as your people. Yeah, we'll go up and fight with you. No, can't be. Yes, it can be because we know the sinful heart of man. And if we get our eyes off the Lord and get outside God's will and are not separated, we can do similar kinds of of things that can get us into trouble. And that's why then Jehoshaphat, of course, he wants to justify himself a little bit here. He says, can we pray about this? Can we find a prophet that can tell us whether we should go up and fight this battle at Ramoth Gilead? And so they bring in all the prophets and all the prophets say, go up. And you're going you're to destroy them. You're going to defeat them. And every one of the prophets said, go up. Well, <laughs> Jehoshaphat said, he, he had some discernment. Not much, but he had some discernment. Because he says in verse 6, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? He knew down in his heart that this was not right. So the king of, uh, of Israel, uh, Ahab, says, well, there is one prophet, his name is Micaiah of Imla, but I don't like him because he never prophesies good concerning me, always evil. Well, you know why Ahab, he never prophesied good for you? Because you were evil and you were were not doing the right thing. So, of course, when he proclaimed God's truth to you, you didn't want to hear it. So they said, bring him. So they brought him and at first, and they came to him, they said, all the other prophets, All the other prophets are saying this, to go up and get the victory, and he's going to win and everything. Make your word like their words. And he says, whatever the Lord speaks to me, I will speak. So then he goes, and I think it's very interesting that right away he goes, go up, and the Lord is going to deliver it. Now, even Ahab, as wicked and sinful and away from God as he was, and he says, Micaiah, I told you always to speak to me in the name of the Lord. And so then he told the story, he says, you're going to go up and I see all Israel uh, slain and, and all these things happening. And so he was furious with him and he, Ahab put him into prison, fed him bread and water and said, stay here till I come back. And the prophet says, if you come back, then God has not spoken to me. Oh. So you would think at that point, after hearing all of that and knowing all of that, Jehoshaphat would have said, you know, I got to get back home i got to get back to Judah. I've got responsibilities, you know, the family, the kingdom. You know, I've told them I wouldn't be gone too long. You know, go ahead. You go ahead. I'm going back home. But he did not do it. He was blinded to it. He went ahead and went into battle with Ahab. That's the thing that amazes me so much. And then he was so naive to think That this was going to work out well for him when Ahab said, You wear your robes into the battle, and I'm going to dress in plain clothes. I'm going to wear a disguise into the battle. That should have tipped him off right there, right? You don't go into the battle like that. Because the king of Syria had told all his captains, Fight with no one else but with the king of Israel. So who do they think the king of Israel is? The one in disguise or the one with the robes on, right? So Jehoshaphat is out there in the battle and all of them are converging on him, about to kill him. And he cries out to the Lord, help me. And the Lord saves them from them and diverts them from him. And so then they realize he's not the king of Israel. And it says in the Bible, and this is remarkable. I was talking to Sylvia about this yesterday. She's preached on this before too. It says, at random a bowman took out his bow and shot an arrow... And that arrow went through, and Ahab was dressed in in regular plain clothes, but he had armor on. And it says it went right through the joints of the armor and killed him. It, It wounded him mortally, and then he died later on. God had brought about that downfall of Ahab. And that's why Jehoshaphat should not have been there. He was in the wrong place, the wrong time, doing the wrong thing. And he got away safely with his life. With his life, he just barely got back to Judah with his life. And you can imagine how relieved he must have been when he finally got back to Judah. But you know, he had made an an alliance and he made an allegiance. He actually pledged his allegiance to Ahab and pledged his allegiance to those uh, forces of Israel and it almost cost him his life. How sad a story is that? And wow, he made it back in one piece, but guess what? There was a prophet waiting for him when he got back. And that prophet's name was Jehu. And it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 19 and verse 2. And it says this, And Jehu the son of Hanai the seer went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. It's amazing. He spelled it out for him. The prophet." So the Lord has been trying to get his attention, trying to get his attention all this time, and now the prophet comes to him and speaks to him in the name of the Lord. He said, you have hated those who love, you've hated those who love you and love those who hated you. It's amazing. He said, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Yes, God hates it when Christians love those who hate him. He hates it when we love the world. Because it says in scripture that he who loves the world is an enemy of God. It's so true. It's so clear in the scripture. And when we're disloyal to the loyal and loyal to the disloyal, it's going to be a problem. And God had to rebuke him and had to speak to his heart. You know, a lot of times we read a story like this, we say it can't happen to me. It won't happen to me. I've been in church for a long time. I've been a Christian for a long time. I know the word. I know the principles and all of these things. Guess what, folks? It can. Did it happen to David when he was tempted? Yes. Did it happen to others? Yes. It could happen to us too. We have to be so careful to separate ourselves from this world, to be in his word in prayer and fellowship, because if we're not, the devil can pick us off very easily. 1 Corinthians 10 verses 12 and 13 spells it out so clearly to us as Paul writing to the Corinthians, he says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And then in verse 13 it says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape That you may be able to bear it. Think how many times he gave him a way of escape and he didn't take it. Well, finally, the Lord had to get him out of that situation where he would have been killed in that battle, and the Lord brought him through it. So now you think finally, Jehoshaphat learned his lesson, right? He's never gonna do that again, he's never gonna go up to Israel again. He's never going to see Ahab again. He's not going to get involved in that again. He's going to be devoted fully to the Lord. He's going to be dedicated to the Lord. He learned his lesson. Never again, never again will I do that. Sadly, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and verses 35 to verses 37. Here is Jehoshaphat nearing the end of his life, and this is what it says. And after this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Ahaz, king of Israel. No, it couldn't say that. Does it say that? After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Ahaz, king of Israel. And he wasn't a good king either. He was also very wicked, because notice this. Who acted very wickedly. And then verse 36. And he allied himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish and they made the ships in Ezion-Geber. But Eleazar, the son of Dodavah and Merishah prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. Then the ships were wrecked, so that they were not able to go to Tarshish. Sad story. Second time now, remember, the first time he went up with Ahab and almost lost his life, Now, this time, he's made an alliance with another one in Israel, another wicked king. And he says, let's make some ships. Let's go down to Tarshish. Let's do all these things. We'll join together. We'll do it together. And God says, no, no. The ships were broken here. And they never got off the ground, as it were. They never got to their destination because God interfered so many times, if we're not separated, if we compromise, if we go astray, our lives are going to be broken, and they're going to be broken in a million pieces. And so many times, it's hard to pick those lives back up again. We oftentimes hear that nursery rhyme, don't we? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could, put, could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That nursery rhyme speaks so much of Jehoshaphat because he sat on a wall. He was elevated by God. He was blessed by God. He was used by God. But he sat on that wall between Judah and Israel and made his wrong choices, his wrong alliances, his wrong allegiances, his wrong actions led to a lack of separation and his life became broken like that. The Bible says very clearly in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. You can't sow the world without reaping it. You can't sow compromise without reaping the effects of it. You can't leave the Lord and go off in the world and expect it not to devastate you. The story of the prodigal son shows a young man who left his father and went off into the world and ended up feeding pigs and then going back to his father and being restored. And we all know the story of that. But how far down do you have to go? How far down do you have to go? Do you have to hit rock bottom before you come back to the Lord? And if you're here today and you're not in God's will and you know it because only God knows inside your heart, now's the time to ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to forgive you and restore you to that first love that you once had. And if you're here today and you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day to accept Him. Because He has a plan for you, a life for you that is beyond your dreams or expectations. The world is full of sin, corruption, evil. We talked about how much there is There's no truth in this world. There's no good. It's sad. And only those who are saved by Jesus Christ can have eternal life and can have a life that pleases God. And that's the kind of life He wants us to have. He wants us to have Him as our... He wants us to ally ourselves with Him and with His people and with His truth. Think about Naomi and how she left and she left where she should have been and she went down to the land of Moab. Did she come back better? No, she came back bitter. And that's what happens. You go outside God's will. You're not separated from the world. You go out better. You come back bitter. And that's the way it is when we're not separated. It's the key. Separation is the key to our spiritual health, to our spiritual welfare, to our good. The key to living a victorious and successful Christian life is separation. Yes, Jehoshaphat did many good things, but they were counterbalanced by this lack of separation, not on one occasion only, but on two major occasions. We can't ally ourselves with wickedness. We can't ally ourselves with evil and sinfulness, even with carnal Christians. We can't do it. And so many people say, well, I made a commitment. I've got to follow through. I've got to do it, right? I made a promise to Ahab I'd go. I made a promise to Ahaziah I'm going to go. I made a promise I'm going to go to this party. I made a promise I'm going to go to this work party, or whatever it is. So what if you made the promise, excuse yourself, I'm sorry, I cannot come. Because there's going to be drinking. There's going to be smoking. There's going to be worldly talk. There's going to be bad language. At these functions, we have to say, I cannot make it. No, thank you. I'm not able to make it. It's better to keep our principles and to keep ourselves separated from the world than to honor a so-called promise to go, which is going to be bad for us. May the Lord help us today to heed this story of this man named Jim who started off so well, and it was so sad to see what happened to him. And we've seen it over the years. We see it in the Bible. We see it outside the Bible in our days and times. May God help us to be separated from this world and to be set apart for Him. In our hearts, that's where it is. It can't be just here. It has to be here, in the heart. And it has to result in a life of consecration and a life of devotion to the Lord. Not once. Not once a a week or once when you come to church. It has to be every day. Because every day we go out into the world, don't we? Every day we go to school, some are going to high school, college, middle school, elementary school, grammar school, they called it. Some are going out into the workplace. Some own your own business, whatever it happens to be. Some go out to the, work, to the marketplace. We go out to the stores and get gas and do things out in the community. God wants us to be separated Christians every step of the way, not just at church. We can all be separated at church. You're separated right now, real good. But when you go outside that door, you have to make a choice to be separated then because then there's going to be friends out there. They're going to ask you to do things, to join them in things, and to come along, don't do it. Don't do it because look what happened to King Jehoshaphat, the king who is unseparated. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we just praise you and thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that has saved us from our sins, that has cleansed us, and Lord, we know that we live in a very dirty world, a very unclean world, a very sinful world, corrupt world. Help us to live as godly people in this world, to be separated from it, Lord. We know we have to live in it. We're not insulated, but, and we're not isolated, but we're going to be insulated. We're not of the world, but we want to be in the world because we have to be, Lord. Until you take us home to heaven, help us to have an influence on people. And the only way that we can have an influence and impact on others is to be separated, Lord. If we're like them, then they're going to say, what's the difference? They're no better than me. And so help us, Lord, to be separated and set apart. We ask this and thank you today in Jesus' precious name. Amen.